third down and 20. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Third and 20 Dynasty Podcast. I'm JT, joined by Frank, Jake, and Lunas. We're in Season 2, Episode 7. Week 2 is in the books. Um, we do have some, you know, different segments, but... Uh, we're going to try some new stuff out. We got injury news. We got, uh, we're going to look at the r slash dynasty on Reddit, and we're also going to look at Twitter, do some recaps of what's going on there. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Devi prospects, some waiver wire people to look at, and finally, panic meter and Bader great. So with that, we'll kick it off with injury news. Um, four quarterbacks, four or five, I guess, technically, quarterbacks got injured. Andy Dalton was the main one who we were looking at uh, for multiple weeks out, potentially. Derek Carr's got an ankle sprain. He might miss this week. Um, Tua's got some bruised ribs. He's questionable for this week. Baker hurt his shoulder, but he was able to get back in the game. And I feel like I'm missing – oh, Carson Wentz hurt his ankles. So I think we'll start with Dalton, though, because I think ankles, that ha- – plural? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a while. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that. It hurts well, both of his ankles. We'll, we'll but... get into him in a second, but let's kick it off with Dalton because – I think he's got the biggest impact, right? Because we, we yeah. know what's behind him. We know that there's Justin Fields waiting. This could be a similar situation to how we had Herbert and Tyrod, except, you know, the team wasn't sabotaging in Dalton. They oh, just, my God. He just <laughs> happened to get hurt. He Dalton get didn't get stabbed. In the lungs. Yeah. So I, I guess that is the question of will – Justin Fields just take this job? Like, is this now Justin Fields' job or is Andy Dalton returning? Does anyone think Andy Dalton is not going to be the starting quarterback for the remainder of the season for the Bears? I don't think I don't think he's going to come back the starter, to be honest. Seriously? Um, no, I don't. I, he it's has he looked good? He hasn't I mean, looked that he bad. Hasn't, he hasn't, <laughs> yeah, he hasn't looked that bad. The response I'm getting is, eh, could, it's not Nathan. It's Peterson. Andy he's, Dalton. He's not going to wow you. You know what you're getting. He's the Red Rocky. The thing is, yeah, what you're, what you're game, getting is mediocre play. Last game, you saw what the upside and the downside of Justin Fields was because they were winning that game. Like, they were – that defense was playing extremely well. Yeah. And Justin Fields had some great throws and some really sick plays. And then he also has a really dumb interception. And, and mistakes. And it's like, I, I just think that you're a little bit more comfortable with Andy Dalton playing in a game that you're really looking to win. Andy Dalton, like, yeah, you're not going to have that crazy upside, but you're also not going to shoot yourself in the foot. When you have a good defense, as an NFL coach, I'm thinking it's Andy Dalton, unless I'm really seeing stuff from Justin Fields, some real progression. I on think- top of that, Go ahead, on Rick. top of just to add on to Frank right here is, I think the Chicago coaching staff has truly made their point in saying they are going to play Andy Dalton this season, and that's the plan, and I think they're going to stick to it. I really don't only – the only way I see, you know, Fields taking this job at least this early in the season is if he comes in and lights the world up and and not one or the other, but if Andy Dalton is also going to miss four, five, six weeks, and then it truly gives them – an extended period of time to evaluate Dalton in live game action. See, I if think it's one or two, if it's one or two games, and I think Fields plays, you know, all right, okay. Even if he plays good, I still think they'll go back to the Dalton here, just because they—that's the plan, and I think Nagy is going to stick to it. See, I think you're saying so. I think that he's probably going to be out maybe two, three games. You're saying even if Fields, if Fields plays just 
at a good level, like as long as he doesn't complete shit the bet. If he just plays good for those two, three games already with the pressure they have to start him, you'd think if he if Fields comes in, plays good for two, three games, they're gonna be like, you know what, go back to the bench for the next six weeks. Well, I I think it's if you're winning games, if you go out there and you win three games with Justin Fields, he's obviously gonna play. I just don't think that's gonna happen with the Bears. And that's not really a Justin Fields thing as much as it is I just don't Look really the trust the Bears. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I don't. What I don't think they're going to win all three games anyone, either. Anyone like like a good team? Are uh, they good uh, team? I think the next three games are like Cleveland, Detroit, then the Raiders. So he like, can win Cleveland's that Detroit gonna game. Going to be a rough game. Like that's going to be a really tough game. But yeah, Detroit. Obviously, everyone can win against he can, Detroit. He can beat Detroit. <laughs> uh, sneaky. They're sneaky. Those lines. They're better than I expected. All right, but, be, but here's think, the thing, though. Here's the thing that you guys one. Naggy, terrible coach. Hate Naggy, whatever. I don't know but how he still has a job. There, there, there's some there's some very similar situations to what happened last year with Justin Herbert and Tyra Taylor. Because you had Tyra Taylor, Anthony Lynn saying, yeah, he's our starter. We're going to start him. This is our guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin Herbert comes in. Actually looks pretty good against the Chiefs. Now, we haven't really seen that yet with Justin Fields, but a little bit of different situations. We'll see this week, right? But – Justin Herbert, like, looked solid three straight weeks while Tyrod Taylor was out. But they lost all three games. They didn't win a single one of those games. And Anthony Lynn kept saying, like, when Tyrod Taylor is going to come back, like, he's still our guy. But at that point, Justin uh, Justin Herbert had just shown enough to where fans would have had Anthony Lynn's head if they tried putting uh, Tyrod Taylor in. He didn't win you any more games, but he was just exciting enough to, to that's what, that's what, like, dude, force fan, the hand. Fans yeah. are already at their head now. If Fields plays decent yeah. these next two, three games, then right, they bring out back Andy Let's Dalton. Move Let's move on. I didn't know. Whatever. <laughs> well, moving on to a, a you know, different situation. We got Carson Wentz, and he hurt not one, but both of his ankles. And that's on top of he had a foot injury before, before the season. Now we've got two ankle injuries. I've heard one, I think the left foot isn't as bad. The right foot's more of a high ankle sprain kind of situation. Like it's kind of being downplayed, but I think there's a there's a decent chance that Carson Wentz could miss, you know, three, four weeks. Now, could he be back this week? Sure. I mean, NFL teams aren't very for, forefront with how their their people are, but put yourself in the mind of the Colts, right? Yes, we want to win. We're we're a playoff team, hopefully. But if we think Carson Wentz is only like 80%, 75%, and he's not that much of a statistical advantage over, you know, sad, sorry, sad to say, but like Ellinger or Eason, whoever they're going to put in, like we're just going to sit Carson Wentz because guess what? Then our second-round pick that we're giving up isn't becoming a first-round pick. Uh, he just has to sit, I think, what was it, 70? He, he can't play more than 75% of the snaps, and the Colts pick doesn't get upgraded. So, so if he's if missing. He needs, to play, he needs to play 13 of the 17 games. Yes. But just those snaps, too, right? So, like, you know, he, he it's 75% of the snaps. So he could yeah. be taken out of games and whatnot. Like, he could, they can do some math where it's not that bad. So I don't know. I, I think if, I, if I'm a Carson Wentz owner I, in a super flex league, like, uh, I'm looking, I'm reaching out for. Teddy Bridgewater, um, I don't know who else, like uh, Tom Brady, if I'm Taylor a competitor. Heineke. Taylor Heineke. Roethlisberger. 
He's kind of hurt too. What I have with that though, JT, is that I I don't think it'd be that big of a deal if it was Sam Ellinger because I actually think that Sam Ellinger can play. And honestly, I'm actually trying to look to trade for Sam Ellinger for cheap if I can in leagues. The only problem I have is that you can't put him on the taxi, so you kind of have to have some roster spots available on your team to to roster a real dart throw quarterback. But uh, my problem with the whole Carson Wentz scenario is that it feels like the doom has followed Carson Wentz to a certain extent. Like it still just feels like it's every week there's something with him. But dude, I would take twenty percent Carson Wentz over Jacob Eason. That guy can't <laughs> yeah. play. I'm sorry, but no team is winning a game with him as the starting quarterback unless he has some drastic improvements. So to that measure, you know, you're only only two if you're. I'm the Colts. I'm trying to win games. Injured Carson Wentz is playing. I, I lean towards uh, Frank's side, especially they they lost the first two games, but they were close games against two NFC playoff teams. Like the Rams and Seahawks are yeah. both very good teams, um, and both those games were pretty close. Uh, and I think Tennessee. I know they had an impressive win last week at Seattle. They got rocked week one. I think they still view the division for the t- like. I think they obviously and they should feel like they can. Obviously, like yeah. everyone's thinking they're still in it. But I'm they, I'm, I'm saying to your point, like they're not going to risk that in like being like, oh, we're not going to play seventy five percent Wentz unless they had Sam a good backup. hurt, so it has yeah. to be Easton or Wentz. They they've got a brutal out of division schedule. They it's do. just like yeah, it's the, the NFC West teams and the AFC oh. East teams. Chat saying yeah, that saying. Sam Ellinger is bad. I don't necessarily disagree with Chat. You see that one throw he had in the preseason? It was nasty. Yeah, yeah that, that one throw. Foot. That yeah, one I, throw. Yeah. Listen, I, I still haven't seen much just to put Sam Ellinger out of that high quality backup range. But I mean, Taylor Heineke, you see now, I still think he's in that range, but has given people enough of flash that you could sell Taylor Honeke. I, I don't see why that couldn't happen with someone like Sam Ellinger. And if you can pick him up for a late third, you might be able to stonk him into a second if more of this Carson Wentz drama happens. Speaking of drama, Saquon <laughs> Barkley. It is just yeah. another drama yes. every week, it feels like. So we're going to pull up some tweets because he was like real popular on, on the Twitterverse after the Thursday night game. So we got... Joe Bryant at Football Guys. Anyone else but me thinking Saquon Barkley just isn't special? No. And then we got – wait, hold on. We got another one here. Um, Ryan Clark, my boy Ryan Clark, is Miles Sanders, his former teammate, going to have a better pro career than Saquon Barkley? That is like a clown take. It has almost like 3,000 likes. Two years ago. I'm surprised that didn't come from Clownus himself. So I, I guess we can kind yeah, of get into Saquon. I'm not putting this under the panic meter with Saquon because I think that this is not a scenario where many owners are panicking whatsoever. Everyone has seemed, at least that I've seen, that actually owns him is still holding firm. But how concerned are you with the recent giant struggles and then in turn Saquon struggles with the injury? What's going on with him for the rest of the season, you guys think? Um, if I own Saquon, I'm definitely not selling him. Uh, Jake, to your thing where you said I, I would tweet something like that. I like Miles Sanders a lot. I'm higher on him than consensus. Miles Sanders isn't Saquon Barkley. Come on. Like all those, all those takes, it's clown takes. Like I think Miles Sanders is good. I think we'll have a good career, but Saquon Barkley is a generational talent. 
Um, I'm, I'm not worried about him. Like people think like, Oh, health wise, he's just not the same anymore. <clears throat> I understand the injury concerns, but I still think he has, he has his explosiveness. Uh, he's just getting his feedback under him. I think the only concern is kind of Jason Garrett, like <laughs> in terms of just like the giants Big offense concern. in general, getting him involved more, setting him up better. Um, cause I think you throw, you throw like Saquon in Carolina and like swap McCaffrey out and put Saquon there. Saquon's putting up crazy numbers again. Uh, the ways that they use McCaffrey, the way Green Bay uses Aaron Jones. Um, so I, I think it's more just a matter of the offense getting better, but I think Saquon's fine. So I'm not I'm not selling Saquon for lower value. I'm not worried about him personally. I agree yeah. with you because, yeah. I mean, to some extent, I, I really think that Jason Garrett does get a little too much crap. Like, okay, obviously Jason Garrett is not a top coordinator in the NFL. I'm not trying to argue that, but – I don't think Jason Garrett is a huge problem. I think more of the problem is that offensive line is getting really banged up and is already a questionable questionable group coming into the season. I, I personally thought they would have performed better, so I'm a little bit upset with what they're doing. And, dude, J okay, Daniel Jones played well last game. But I think the problem with Daniel Jones is that he's just so limited in the throws that he can consistently make, it feels like, especially on a game-to-game -game basis. He's really only great deep middle of the field. I feel like if you look at the meta of the NFL right now, what all the other elite quarterbacks are doing, they're, none of them are doing what Daniel Jones does, uh, like what Daniel Jones is good at. People saying that Daniel Jones is a good deep ball. Listen, I thought Daniel Jones' deep ball was a big issue coming out of school. Thought he did all right early, but it's been overall inconsistent. And I really feel like that's also impacting Saquon Barkley and the offense as a whole. If you put Deshaun Watson on there, like, I'm sorry, but that offense and Saquon Barkley, I think, are just putting up better numbers. Oh, it's a whole different offense. Yeah, and to touch on what Frank said, consistency is the key word here. The Giants offense, like, you have the skill position players around you. You know, you have the mm -hmm. Kenny Galladay's, the Sterling Shepherds, and even the Darius Slaytons of the world. I know he had a big drop on Thursday night, obviously. Not to mention, you know, generational talent running back in the backfield. It all comes down to consistent play at the quarterback position because we've seen it when Daniel Jones plays well the Giants look half decent and when he mm -hmm. they don't they look like a bottom five team in the league and I just don't believe Daniel Jones will ever ever show consistency at the NFL level and I think that's the big issue with him and that's why Saquon Barkley is struggling because when Daniel Jones struggles and the offense as a whole struggle he's going to struggle because you know we're not the Chiefs we're not going to go out and score 35 points in a, a game and and that's just what it's going to be. So he's not going to get as many touches and he's not going to get as many scoring opportunities, which is obviously going to lead to less fantasy points here. So, you know, it, it's a tough situation, but, you know, Saquon's a generational talent and it's not a guy that you're going to panic on here. Yeah, just, just one last thing. If you're the defensive coordinator, you're going up against the Giants and you're thinking they're on Wednesday, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to make Saquon beat us or are we going to make Daniel Jones beat us? I think that's a pretty yeah. easy decision, and that's what happens. Like Jake said, that that team relies on, on Daniel Jones. All right, I'm trying to pull this up. My sh shit is hitting the fan, to say the least, with my computer real quick. Okay, here we go. So I, I wanted to bring this up. I, I've, I have seen this on Twitter. I've seen it on Reddit where people are kind of starting to freak out about running backs in general, how a lot of the running backs are the guys that are not living up to expectations at this point in the season. So here's a little chart from 
I'm not saying that name of this guy. I have no idea. But basically, everyone's passing numbers are up. Yeah. And I find this a little bit interesting because there are teams that I agree should be passing the ball, and it's really working out for their football team. Like, look at the Raiders, even. You know, they're not even the best example because, okay, Kansas City, you know why they're throwing the ball. Um, Seattle, like, teams like that, you know why they're throwing the ball in New England. They have a quarterback who can complete passes. Obviously, they're going to be throwing the ball 11% more. But at the same time, look at some of these other teams. I thought Detroit, who's at number three, they threw the ball way too much last night. Like, there were scenarios where they could have just taken the pressure off Jared Goff to the running back that they drafted with an early second-round pick that everyone's raving about. Why aren't they running the ball more? Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence clearly cannot throw the ball 60, 50 times a game and win. At this Why are point. we not running the ball? Yeah, at this point. There are so many other teams. I mean, Atlanta, you can't really do anything with that offensive line. But I feel like a lot of these teams that are throwing the ball a lot more, it, you know, it works for the guys that have the great quarterbacks and the weapons and, and everything going for them where you're able to do that. But some of these other teams, take the pressure off your quarterback. Stop running the ball. So I think it's a little bit ambiguous as to whether it's good or not for some teams. But I do expect some of these teams to get their rushing numbers back up to to normal or their coaching staff won't be there much longer. I I wonder how much San Francisco's just really early lead against um, Detroit put them down so far because, like, if if that's the case, if that's not the case, and this is just the norm for San Francisco, it tells me a lot about Jimmy G. Where it's just like we're just gonna run it. We don't even or their receivers, Jimmy G. apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My other thing, though, uh, building on top of this, is people are pointing this and, and being like, "See, zero RB works. Like you gotta go with zero RB." And sure, you you're getting like the good you know, tight ends and wide receivers and quarterbacks higher because you're going zero RB, but, like, you could have easily picked Kittle and you could have picked, uh, I don't know, some wide receivers that are, like Ayuk that aren't really performing yet. And then the RBs that you go and target at the end of the later rounds, you probably picked, like, James Conner, uh, Gus Edwards, Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle. Damian the Harris. Only, the, the only ones that are currently working are, are Daryl Henderson, Damian Harris, and Tony Pollard. And Daryl Henderson's hurt now, so who knows what's going to go on with that? But if he's just going to have to nash I, I carries I with think it's, I think it's one of those he's questionable for this week, but I don't think it's like a long term thing. I mean, the thing is, too, look at a lot of these teams that are running the ball; they're winning games. And like JT said, a, a part of that from this year over year from last year is because they're winning games. But you're you're telling me that that a team like Philadelphia is not going to be a run heavy team to a certain extent? That the San Francisco 49ers, the New Orleans Saints, the Cleveland Browns, you know, all these teams, the Rams are all of a sudden going to give up their roots of running the football. The only team here that should be passing the ball more is Cincinnati because that's the, the one thing they're actually good at and they've spent all their resources doing, uh, like getting better at. I mean, Cincinnati does have Joe Mixon. It's not like they don't have a talented running back there. Yeah, how'd that go for him last week, Jake? 20 touches. <laughs> 
20 touches. And they lost. 20 touches for like (laughs) 60 yards, and you put up no points. You have have players complaining that they haven't been aggressive enough this year. I'm pretty sure the Bengals right now have – it's like them, the Steelers, and the Jets for the slowest, most inefficient offenses in the NFL from their expected points per play. Jake's on the side of Zach Taylor. That's that's not the all side. All I'm you gonna say is Higgins had another good day. Chase had another good day, and Mixon had all the. But they could have been they, they they could have been way better. Like they they we're getting into a side tangent. But if the Bengals just decide to push the ball down the field more, I I think they'd be a very explosive team. I they're just. Oh, I don't I don't disagree with yeah. that. But I'm saying from a fantasy standpoint, all three had a. Yeah, not a great yeah. day, but like you remember last year when they were passing the ball seventy fucking times, and and, and now it's like you've decided Total that opposite. you're gonna run the ball. I I do not understand that coaching staff, and I stand I stand firm until that staff is fired. I am not buying Bengals players. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I am not right. dealing with that. All right. Life, death taxes. I, I said and it on Twitter earlier. I was like, just just wait for this spring. Joe Brady's gonna be their next coach. Give it a couple months. All right, then I'll go back and I'll say, okay, I'll, I'll start paying for Bengals players until that, that, would be that scary. coaching staff is. Trash. And I think that'd be a great hire for that offense, by the way. I mean, next one I wanted to get into, we have Mark Andrews is annoying. Um, so perennially listed as a top five to six dynasty tight end, yet this week I'm probably going to play Tyler Higby over him. Last Ooh. week I really wish I played Tyre, uh, Tyler Higby over him. So what's the deal? Should we be selling Andrews while he still has name value, holding, yada, 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 yada. And this is just kind of what you buy into with Mark Andrews. Sell all Ravens. And, I mean, I would be frustrated (laughs) if I was a Mark Andrews owner, too, because you did buy buy into him if you bought him and you expected, if you held him, for him to take the real step this year, and that was – the upside with him, but clearly he's just going to be the same player that that he has been for the past three seasons, which is a good time. He'll have his good weeks and he'll have carry weeks, but he's also going to have weeks where it's two catches for 24 yards. And right now, I think you just have to hold because you, you're going to yeah. eventually get that, that high output week. But I sold him before the season started. I thought I got a good deal and that won't happen in every league, but it just it feels bad to hold him, especially if you could have moved him for yeah, like you. So you sold you sold him for around what was it like a late first? Just a random first. A I random would say. first. Okay. What what do you think? Well, obviously it's only been two weeks, but like it kind of showed it. a two week impact. I don't know if you're I don't know if you're getting a first from Mark Andrews right now. No, you're I didn't not. Think you Definitely you shouldn't. Not. You shouldn't have, I didn't think you should have got one for him when Frank sold him. Because <laughs> that's fair. I don't think so either. Who so, who would you guys who do you guys rather have Noah Fant or Mark Andrews? Noah Fant. Yeah. Noah Fant. Not even See, a question. Yeah, and I don't think. But before was, the season, I don't. Yeah, I was gonna like say that. I don't think that was sentiment. Like yeah, I was gonna say part of the disappointing thing coming into the season is because after kind of like the big three and excluding Pitts because he's a rookie and just was like a freak prospect, guys like Mark Andrews and Hawkinson were kind of viewed on the same tier coming into the season. Uh, they were probably right sure next to each that. other. What with Andrews? Noah Fan is close. Noah Fan. Oh, Fan. Okay. I might have Andrews. I actually might have Andrews. I think the problem is, is that we've just seen two floor cases with Mark Andrews. We were, he's going to bounce back, and I think especially when you get guys like Bateman back, and you get these running backs to be a little bit more in, like in the offense. A little, I don't know what the right word for it is, but like they know the system and everything, right? 
I think we will start to see Mark Andrews then not be the guy where it's defenses are thinking, oh, well, we have to stop Mark Andrews because he's the guy that's going to that's gonna beat us outside of Lamar Jackson just being Lamar Jackson. I think that that's kind of what we've been seeing recently. Uh, we're we're going to get into it when we talk about, like, Bader grade and panic and whatnot. But what Bateman does when he gets back to this offense is going to be very telling for, like, four or five different players. Like, yeah. there, there's boom-bust potential for some of these guys. All right. Including Bateman himself. Well, I just exactly. Yeah, Bate, yeah. Bateman is just going to be what you want Sammy Watkins to be in the offense. He's going to be like so very average wide receiver. No, a good, like no, you, like a you have like possession Sammy receiver. Watkins, yeah, I'm joking. Not, I'm like, joking. I'm joking. By the yeah. way, and Bateman's great with with RPS. Sorry, I did not realize that. That was a whoosh right there. Um, <laughs> but anything else on Mark Andrews? Like, is there any consideration in selling him? Like, what what do you think you yes. can get for him? If if I can get any late first, I'm accepting in a heartbeat. Are you selling for two hundred two? Let's just say it's two hundred two. I'm yeah. not selling for a second right now. No shot. I think you can get an early second and probably a third. I'd probably just hold Andrews at that point. Okay. Yeah, I'm issues... not selling for seconds and thirds. Fuck that. Like, like he feels bad to have some weeks, but like he can also win win a week. He can them. win games, like, yeah. No, and, I, I still I still do like him, but I, I do understand the point of like, hey, the Ravens offense just put up like 35, 38 points, and this is what he got. Yeah, but it's all Lamar. Lamar's got Lamar's like the third leading rusher in the NFL right now. Yeah. The, the dude is just going absolutely bananas. And, and I mean, Hollywood's really had some good plays. It's just I think we've seen a lot more explosive plays out of the Ravens. Let's yeah. wait to see a lot more of their true red zone sets and and all that. And especially, I think, when Bateman comes back, it's just going to open up the field a little bit more for Mark Andrews. And let's see if Hollywood starts drawing more coverage now that he's been doing well. I'm not panicking or selling on Mark Andrews. Just he's not taking the step forward. So you have to put that into your valuation right now is that you don't really don't think he's going he's gonna to do it until – Something else happens. I've been out on the Ravens, so my mindset's not changing. We, we know. <laughs> we, You're welcome. Just, just, just making sure everyone knows. All right, um, all right we're good to move on? Yep. Yeah. Let's get um, into college. So we want to talk about Debbie prospects on the move. Jake actually started writing good articles for the Third and 20 website, thirdand20.com. Um, where he's breaking down different Debbie players, different college players who have played well, maybe aren't playing up to standard. For the most part, you're going to highlight, though, the good like successes or whatnot. So we figured we'd just bring that kind of aspect onto the podcast because I think, you know, it's never too early to start looking at who you might be looking at with your with your draft picks, um, especially if you're rebuilding teams. So with that, I'll kick it off. We have Drake London who went off. Um, he had 13 catches for 170 yards and two touchdowns. What's interesting about this was a starter, Keaton Slovis, who I actually like, but I feel like he's starting to get a lot of detractors. Mm -hmm. um, Keaton Slovis got hurt, and then one awesome name in Jackson Dart came in, a freshman. This, guy's, uh, this guy is fan, so fan, cool. Fantastic quarterback name, though. That's just – when you think of a real quarterback, that is a great Jackson Dart, name. yes. Yeah. He's <laughs> – like, I gotta pull it, up. A, wait, hold on. I gotta pull up his eye black. His eye black for that game was so sick. I I think even if he's just average, his you know three years on USC, um, 
he'll still get drafted simply because of his knee. Like he's just got that kind of <laughs> value to him. He's got that. Um, he's got that moxie. Yeah, but this dude, look at this. Look at this. Real quick. I mean, it takes a second for us to see. Screen. Yeah, it takes a second for us to see on YouTube because we're delayed. Uh, the one line down the eye. That is freaking sweet. That is cool. I'm going to imagine it's cool because we're on a pretty big delay from where we're recording and where YouTube's live. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, hi. If you're on podcasts, if you want a good visual, <laughs> come find us on YouTube. Uh, oh, I see it now. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. So uh, moving on, though, Drake London, right? 13 catches, 170 yards, two touchdowns. Drake London has the ability to be a top three wide receiver in this class. Could even be the top wide receiver in this class. Uh, I don't know. The interesting thing about him is last year on USC with an Amon Ross St. Brown team, he had, um, in just six games, he had 502 yards and three touchdowns, right? So now, already in three games, he's at 375 yards, three touchdowns. So he's kind of showing his alpha ability. Like, he's able to dominate an offense. He's able to be the main guy, which a lot of NFL teams love. Um I think he's almost certainly going to be a top three round draft pick in, in this upcoming draft. He's someone that is going to be going in your mid first, I'd probably assume, kind of uh, rookie drafts at this point, mid to late. Jake's shaking his head. I, I, I think he's a mid to late. Yeah, what's your depends on, depends on if it's super flex or not. In a non super flex league, he'll probably go in the first round, but super flex leagues, I'd probably see him in that early second to mid second uh, range. What's a, well, what's a like non super flex league? Yeah, what the heck, <laughs> uh, The thing is, I, I think there are going to be quarterbacks that are just going to keep falling at this point, and we're not going to see as many quarterbacks. What I'll say is we're going to get into a couple quarterbacks in a second. I just I don't think the quarterback prospects are nearly as good as the past two years. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, that, that's kind of all I had to say about Drake London. He's um, – very good athlete, already is produced in his sophomore year. There's a lot of, like, analytical parts of Drake London that I like. He's someone that should be on your radar already and someone that you're looking forward to. He's also 6'5", which is dope. Yeah, he's, <laughs> so, he's just checking all the boxes right now. I agree. Yeah. He's got a school with a good pedigree that's proven they can develop receivers. But Yeah, he, he reminds me a lot of Mike Evans from when he was at a oh, Strong a lot of Mike, A lot of Mike Evans there. So – Next guy I wanted to bring up, because I've been seeing him getting a ton of hype, potential first overall pick hype, and that is Malik Willis out of Liberty. So here's a throw that I just saw scrolling through Twitter, and I thought it was a pretty damn impressive throw. Beats a safety with his arm. You know, like, you can't really ask for much more. Now, I will say, if you're watching this on the tube, I have no idea what this coverage is doing here because these safeties on this post wheel don't cover anyone, the corner and the safety. Like, they go for a switch, and then they're like, mm, no, nah, I'm not thinking about it because he had this post wide open, not a guy within 10 yards of him. So good old liver – I don't even know who ODU is. What, what old Dominion. Old Dominion. Old Dominion. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, shout out real Corey Kinnon for the video, by the way. Um. Now, I want to ask you guys what you think of Malik Willis, because I'm actually not really a huge Malik Willis truther. I'm very skeptical right now of whether or not he's actually going to be that top mm. first-round pick quarterback. 
I like him, especially because the guys who were expected to kind of be the top two, Rattler and Howe, they haven't been bad, but they haven't been what a lot of people were expecting to come into this season and be. Uh, we were talking about a pre-pod, but a lot of people were expecting from Rattler, like, the type of insane statistical season we just saw Kyler and Jalen Hurts have in that Oklahoma offense. Um, and, like, be like a front runner for the Heisman. Uh, and he was coming into this season, but... So far, he hasn't been bad, but he just hasn't been like, oh, those are crazy numbers. Oh, he's made some insane throws these games. Um, so I think I think the other quarterbacks kind of not being like great has also helped Malik. Uh, also has helped him. Uh, I do need to see more because I really have only started watching a ton of him like the past two ish weeks when he started been starting to get uh, more hype, and I watched some of his stuff from last season. But um, it's going to be interesting. I want to see him. I'm excited for that Ole Miss game. Um, he gets to play against an SEC defense because I'm sure the thing with him is everyone's going to bring up his level of competition. Uh, but I like me, he's a big arm. He's fast. He can run. Um, he's going to be a, someone who can like scramble well too, uh, which helps for fantasy. So uh, I've just got to see more, but I've been impressed so far. And I'm, I'm buying into the chance that he has a decent shot to go and be the first quarterback drafted. Well, first one drafted. First QB drafted. I think I think one of the things that's actually helping him out is that if you're seeing someone like Jalen Hurts succeed, um, maybe that spells well for. And Malik I Willis. think I think he can be a better passer. Well, I think the the problem though is that Jalen Hurts is just like mentally right. He's just really yeah. ahead of the curve for a young guy. I thought when I did my film film analysis on him, uh, Malik Willis. I feel like you might be on the opposite end of the spectrum. I think he's just really raw and underdeveloped as a passer. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. I personally have a lot of other quarterbacks right now that I like over Malik Willis, but I haven't really watched a ton of him yet. The upside to Malik Willis is very, very high, but yeah. the floor the floor is also very, very low. He's one of these boom-bust prospects that some NFL team is probably going to fall in love with and take early in the draft just because they need a quarterback. I don't and just know, because- dude. If Justin Fields fell to pick 11, how is he going to – I'm taking Justin Fields over Malik Willis, I'm pretty sure. I don't even think it's close. I, I wasn't even huge on Justin Fields. Um, I'm taking Justin Fields over this entire draft class. Same. There's no one in this draft class, I think. That doesn't change Fields. the fact that there's Carson still come draft, come draft time. There's still going to be just gonna move up. four, five, six teams that are going to be looking for a quarterback. And he's yeah, yeah the but the thing ones. is, it's also, he's going to get nitpicked out the ass once draft season comes around. Uh, yeah, I mean every every top prospect does, and he's people are gonna. He, like I said, he's gonna be a very polarizing prospect just because of his high upside and low floor. So some team is gonna like him, and some teams aren't. So what, I can what really does, see we're in the honeymoon phase right now with the quarterback prospects. What doesn't help him so far is <laughs> is Zach Wilson through two weeks. Like we'll see what yeah. that Zach Wilson does for the rest of the season. But we're talking about. Kid from small school who I, I hope he has oh, a good game. I, I hope he has a good game against Ole Miss because I know if he like has a bad game, everyone's going to be like, "Look, yeah. see what he does against." Because that, like, that was defense. people are going to hold that against him. That was one of my big knocks against Zach Wilson is whenever he played against the the Power Five schools, he just didn't really do much. Like I think he had one good game against maybe Washington. I might just be making that up, but for the most part, he just did not succeed. And so if Malik Willis kind of falls into the same thing, it's not going to help him. Yeah. Um, For fantasy, if he's playing, though, he'll probably be a stud. (laughs) Yeah. 
All right. What other Debbie prospects did you guys want to cover? I wanted to touch on one of the guys that I wrote about in this week's article. Check it out. It's on thirdandtwenty.com. Go check it out. Um, it's Kyron Williams, running back from Notre Dame. This guy completely impressed me. I really didn't watch a lot of him last year, and I went back and watched some of his games last year along with this week's game against Purdue. Um, this week he had like 12 carries for about 90 yards, a touchdown, added another two receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. He truly impressed me a lot. He was a very patient runner but had the speed to finish runs when needed. His route tree looked great. He took one to the house for like a 50-yard receiving touchdown. Um, I don't know. This guy I just think fits the NFL to a T in, in the modern game, and I think he's a guy that's going to go very early in the NFL draft, probably a second-round pick, and he's probably going to be one of the first players taken in your rookie drafts next year. Wow. Big words. Yeah. Big stuff. He just, he just does it all. I truly could see him being a three-down back in the NFL. Um, and some running back needy team is is going to grab him, and he's going to fit in real nicely. Interesting. I don't know if any running back at this point is going to be a three down back in the NFL. I'm just saying he has the he has the potential to be. He he's a capable wide receiver as well as a very good pure runner. So I really like him. I uh, I'm excited to see what he does the remainder of the season and see where he lands. Yeah. So a guy I was interested in, and. This could be a complete bait. I have no idea, but I think it's someone that, you know, it's nice to have on the Raider, the Raider, the Radar. <laughs> Maybe he'll end up on the Raiders. Never He's know. He's a good fit in Oakland or is, in Vegas. Uh, yeah, he fit Oakland, Vegas, baby. Uh, Trey McBride out of Colorado State. I mean, Colorado State surprisingly has produced a couple of decent like receiving players, Michael Gallup probably being like the most notable one, but they've had a couple of NFL level prospects. Um, but he has had, apparently I did not check the, the box scores on this, but I did read this on an article. So I forget what, whose article, but if, if this is wrong, blame them, not me. Um, <laughs> apparently he's had nine 100 yard receiving games, like last nine games, bang, 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 all a hundred plus yards. Pac-12. Thanks. <laughs> Is Colorado State That's in the Pac-12? Pretty sure. Are they, are they not? Well, I might be thinking Colorado. Yeah, I know Colorado is. I don't know if Colorado State is. I don't think, I don't think Colorado State is. Now on the... Yeah, now I got to check. But yeah. that's, that's no, they're Mountain West. Uh, Mountain West. Think... Even better for the offenses. I think right now he's definitely looked at as like a day three prospect. I'm pretty sure he's a senior. So if if you got JTs in the building, that's always going to hurt you. But Don't man, worry. if this if he's a guy that tests well and is athletic and he checks the athletic box, he seems to be checking the production box by wide margins. Um, maybe he sneaks into like the end of the third round and can be a guy that kind of like a Cole Komet or even a better value, right? Maybe like a Mark Andrews in rookie drafts. I remember from a couple of years ago, speak of the devil, you pick him up late in the draft and he's something. Never know. Yeah, he should be on the radar. 900 yard plus games. No, no, that's a notable stat. Jake, do you want um. to talk about the other dude in your article or are you, are you saving it? Eh, I could give people a little preview of the article. Uh, the other guy, <laughs> little preview. Uh, the other guy I talked about was Kenneth Walker III, running back on Michigan State. He actually transferred uh, from Wake Forest over to Michigan State, and he's been tearing it up this year. 
Um, he had 172 yards this week on 27 attempts and added another three receptions for 20 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he he was very elusive, and the thing I really liked about him was in the open field, the first guy never brought him down. He's truly had an ability to make people miss that I you really look for in a, in a, in a college running back. And I'm, the only problem I had with him is, like, he's not really a receiver. I know this week Wait, he what's had – his name? Uh, Kenneth Walker the third. Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his his receiving ability is not great. I know this week he had three receptions for including a touchdown, but those three receptions actually matched his total from every game last season um, for receptions. So he's not really a receiving back, but hit, as a pure runner, fantastic, makes everyone miss in the open field. I know Michigan State's like whole team. I'm pretty sure is transfers. Like they just got a whole new yeah they, players because they got a new coaching staff and they brought in a whole bunch of transfers. He and this forced. Whole, he had 20 forced missed tackles last game. He was incredible what? last week. He, yeah, That's this insane. guy. This guy. <laughs> okay, Kenneth Walker. I'm star in this dude. This guy's a beast. The dude does not go down on the first tackle. He made. Two, three, four guys miss on many runs, and it's just he had. I was impressed with his speed. He ran between the tackles, around the edge. The only thing I like to like to see improve is his receiving game. Um, it looked a little raw, but you know anything can improve. He's only he's a junior, so would be an early declare Tinder girl JT over there. So checks all the boxes <laughs> for me. All right, interesting. Um, yeah, every week we'll go over some more prospects. Just kind of quickly talk about them. Just so that when the draft season comes around, it's not like we haven't mentioned anyone. It's not like that no one is completely out of the blue, at least not a ton of people. Yeah. yeah. So with that, speaking of players that kind of come out of blue and that you could just add to your rosters, let's talk about the waiver wire ads <laughs> for this week. Um, this guy, we I think we torched him. When we were talking, we were looking at the um, AMC West breakdown. We were just like, yeah, you might as well not have a tight end. But <laughs> the Cardinals put their tight end, Max Williams. Um, he actually had a pretty good, pretty solid game for the Vikings. I'm pulling up his stats now real quick. But Against the Vikings. Yeah, yeah, sorry. With the Cardinals against the Vikings. And kind of unexpected with just how many players are on the Cardinals, the offensive weapons. But he had... Seven targets, seven receptions, 94 yards, which is a very solid stat line for a tight end. Normally, like, you know, yeah. there's touchdowns that make him relevant. He just had seven straight receptions. Um, One of those was crazy. Did you see the – it was like yeah, a double reception. Yeah. yeah. Just Kyler makes circus plays for the Cardinals. So, you, you know, if you missed out on Rondell Moore in your rookie draft, um, you don't want to pay up for DeAndre Hopkins and you don't want to risk losing all your value with, like, Chase Edmonds or whatnot. Um, Max Williams might be your one, your one token, your free token to a Kyler Murray offense. <laughs> sure, I, yeah, I sure. Don't know. He, he's a solid, he's a solid ad for me in like terms of it's a tight end. Like you just need tight ends to stick. I, I don't know. Who knows? He's a product of the offense more than anything, and like, sure, you want as many pieces of this Arizona offense as possible, but like. It's gonna. He's gonna be inconsistent, and that's just what you're gonna get from a tight end usually. So, yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's more likely he's like a Mo Alley Cox than like a Mark Andrews or, or something. Oh yeah, you know, someone that kind of just 
comes out of nowhere. But again, these are waiver wires. Yeah, oh, true, Waller. These are waiver wire guys. All right, Lunas's guy, Freddie Mike. Swain, <laughs> out of Florida. <laughs> Tell us about Freddie Swain, Lunas. You want me to talk about Freddie I mean, yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of his production came on one play where no defender was within 20 yards of him. Uh, but he did he did get five targets. Uh, he's on a Russell Wilson offense. Uh, but so I, I don't know much to say about Freddie Swain. Like if he's a I, Florida guy and I'm not gassing him up, like that's. I, I will I, say on like a side tangent, how do you feel about D. Eskridge at this point, Jake? Honestly, he played well in week one when he got the touches and then he got a concussion pretty early in the game. So like I think he got three three touches in the first two quarters roughly and then got a concussion missed missed week two um he should be back week three they said they're, they're saying i don't i'm no doctor here but uh i thought he looked pretty good and i'm excited to see what how they continue to use him and get him more involved in the offense because he is one of these guys that you can use on you know end arounds and screen passes and just get him the ball in open space but you know, they also have Tyler yeah. Lockett, who does a lot of the same thing. So I'm not, like, overly excited, but I took him in the third round of a rookie draft, and I'm pretty happy with how he's looked so far. But where I was going with that is, like, Fred, Freddie Wayne's probably someone I'm not picking up simply because, like, he is the yeah, – Eskridge is set up to be the number three. D, D yeah. Eskridge is, yeah. Freddie um, Wayne. What would you say? Freddie Wayne. Oh, because the... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's not, not what you just said. Am I the only one that heard Freddie Wayne? Who me, Freddie Swain? Yeah, I said Freddie maybe, Swain. I thought uh, maybe I'm. I think I might have been just you. Okay, uh, now <laughs> JT, Jack, All right. Patrick, Jock. that that's very that is, that's very clearly Jock. Like, <laughs> Jock. I don't know what, what's going to be tripping up. Q. Like, I'm that's sorry, I don't know how to pronounce Jock. that. Jock French. It's French. French. It's French. But here's the thing, oh, right? Oh, sue me. I don't know French, <laughs> and I don't know how to pronounce the name. Here's the thing. Jake couldn't pronounce to his name. <laughs> <laughs> that has so many vowels, I just don't Yeah, know. yeah. Jock versus my level or whatever it is. Very different. But, all right, hear me out. He's just, like, a very speculative ad compared to, like, people that are on the end of your roster. Like, I, I'm trying to think, I'm not singling anyone out. But like trying to think of end of roster guys that you might have on your team, uh, like a Tyron Johnson or like a uh, oh you know with running backs wise like Josh Kelly like I'd rather just take the flyer on on Jock because he's got picked up by the 49ers. and if he ends up being something you can then flip him for whatever <laughs> like we just saw Elijah Mitchell getting traded for like second second round picks and he just had one good game he's got a ton of opportunity because. Everyone on the 49ers team just gets hurt. So you just need one or two games that he at least is serviceable and looks decent in, and you're immediately making a huge profit for literally nothing. Now, if he ends up being nothing, I'm not recommending that you drop like a who's like a different backup, like a Cordero Patterson or whatnot for him. But just a speculative, you've got that space on your roster. Maybe one of your guys just went to IR and, and you're in those deep leagues. Like, He's literally a free person that can gain the most value, I feel like, on the waiver wire. Okay. I respect it. You've convinced Thank me. Thank you. Thank you. Now, personally, I don't know. We In in our home league, our benches aren't, like, that deep. So I don't know if I'm 
really going to drop anyone from him. But I, I'm on dynasty leagues where they're very deep benches, and he's someone that I, I, I'd be looking to go just free pickup. Right. The 49ers just need a body at a running back. Right? Yeah. yeah. What we've seen, like, sorry, like, you know, Jamichael Hasty isn't anything special. Like, I, I wasn't personally that big of a fan of Elijah Mitchell. They made Raheem Mostert look really good. Jeff Wilson looked really good. Like, anyone can look good in this offense. So, I don't know. Definitely possible. Um, I think that kind of wraps up our waiver wire ads. Yeah, there wasn't too many this year. <laughs> not, not that many intriguing guys. Um, with that, though, we'll move to the other side of the spectrum and we'll talk panic meter. Um, and kicking it off is someone that we even debated on if they should properly be on here, and that's Antonio Gibson. Um, Frank, you 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 don't think Antonio Gibson should be on this panic meter? No, I really don't. I mean, I can at least here's the thing: I can understand why people are panicking, and the reason why people are panicking is that it just seems like a lot of a lot of fantasy players have this unrealistic expectation that the running back that they like that's a young, good running back is going to be on the field every snap and that that's even a good thing that they're on the field every snap. I also bring into question to a certain extent. Um, to me, Antonio Gibson, week one, he got a, a, a huge volume of targets. Week two, it was obviously down. You would like to see him in that two-minute drill, that passing scenario. But, man, it's early in the season. I think from a usage perspective, it's very encouraging. I just want to see Antonio Gibson get to play up against these teams like the Cowboys and, and you know, just some easier competition to a certain extent in terms of the front seven. And for this offense to finally get going because they haven't really been able to have that level of consistency with just guys getting hurt early in the season. To me, Antonio Gibson, it's an efficiency problem, not a not a volume problem. I do think that efficiency will follow very shortly. Yeah, um, I don't much to say. I pretty much agree with Frank. I'm not worried about him. He's still getting the volume that you want him to get. Um, it's just kind of been two A games, but I'm not worried about Gibson. I don't like my argument with the whole volume thing is like, okay, yes, I would love for my running backs to get a crazy ridiculous amount of, of targets and a crazy ridiculous amount of carries. But at, at a certain level, you give up efficiency for all of those carries and all of those targets. And I do not want to do that. I would much rather have an Alvin Kamara who's, I mean, he's getting a healthy amount of carries, but over a Derrick Henry who's just, okay, it's just a bajillion 25 carries, but then you can kind of, you have the games where he just is running into a brick wall, like for longevity, for consistency, for all these reasons, I'd rather just have that Alvin Kamara where he's playing only like 60 to 70% of the snaps, but he's very efficient and he's still getting the amount of, of targets and carries that you need for him to be an RB1. Fair. I'm, I agree with that. I also think it means more. Uh, not to make this about Najee Harris, but Najee Harris was in the whole time first week and didn't really do a whole lot. All right. Um, Jake, wait. <laughs> I just need to get that shot in. Uh, Jake, um, Marquez, Marquez Callaway. What's the panic meter on him? 
I mean, personally, not high because I was never in on him. But if I was a Callaway owner, like, <laughs> like say, like, say you say you just traded a second for Callaway, how are you feeling right now? Very, very bad about myself. Very bad about myself. Actually, would you say? Would you say you're a clown? Oh, I would classify myself as a clown if I would, if I had traded a second for Marquez Callaway. I had not. For those listeners, I did not. But we had a league mate that did, and it's it's a clown move. Um, but basically, I was never in on Marcus Callaway. The hype on him was absolutely absurd. Um, people were saying he's going to go for over a thousand yards this year just because there was no targets that to, to throw to on, on the Saints, which is just a dumb argument. Just because you know you can always have the Alvin Kamara's, you, or you could just you know run the ball with two very good or not well now one very good running back in Alvin Kamara, and you know Tony Jones has looked pretty solid, uh, but. I never understood it. He was like an undrafted free agent. Why Why was the hype there? It made no sense. Right. Um, first, one question. Would you rather have Marquez Callaway or Devontae Parker? <laughs> Can I take the roster spot? Uh, yeah, roster give, me, spot. Give, me, give me a roster spot. Actually, give me two second-round picks, actually. My second is, everyone, everyone, let's see your hands. No one's cheating on this one. No one's cheating. How many passing yards does Jameis Winston have this year through two games? Maybe like I think it's like 64. It's okay. around there. It's a, it's a, no, it's, it's under 300 yards. 256. All right, Frank, you just like nailed right in between it. It's 259. Damn 259 it. yards for Jameis Winston. <laughs> That's. That's awful. <laughs> That's like worse than I, Cam Newton levels. Yeah. <laughs> like, I told you, people, I told you when when uh, Jameis was announced the starter, I told you we were not going to see Tampa Bay Jameis Winston because uh, Sean Payton was not going to let him go out there and just throw five interceptions a game. He wasn't going to let him do it. He's going to make him play controlled and play low-key. And when he has the opportunity, like we saw week, uh, week one, where he launched that like 60-yard touchdown to Deontay Harris, like he's going to let him take his opportunities, but only every now and then. And that's, I think, what you're going to say here, and it's going to be a heavy dose of Alvin Kamara, and that's just how the Saints are going to play. Well, what do you say to the people that are saying that he just went up against good corners? I've seen that's a very popular argument. Lunas used it last week. With well, no, I used it for the Green Bay game because Jair Alexander <laughs> is one of the premier corners in the NFL. Um, to have like pretty much zero production against Carolina either. We saw Corey Davis have a good game against them. Um, Carolina's like corners, they're, they're – I they're like J.C. Horn. Oh, it's, it's they're okay. Like, they're fine. Like, I, they're, it's I a like rookie corner. corner. Yeah. It's a rookie corner. J.C. Horn's a stud with a capital yeah, he's, S. He's, he's still a, very a rookie, good rookie corner. But he's not. He's okay, not like a, a, he's better than you. B, I would take him over J- Bradbury. Oh. Oh. Easy. Like right now Ooh. or like long term? I can understand long Both. term. But right okay. now? Oh, right know. now, if you had one play this second, I'm taking James Bad James Bradbury. Yeah, James Badbury. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This this panic meter is interesting. Lunas, we got you and CEH. CEH. Uh, I know R Dynasty was like, what's that like scene from SpongeBob? Remember, it's like the butterfly in the bubble, and then like the whole town's on fire, like everyone's <laughs> freaking out. That's like that was like R Dynasty after that uh, game with the CEH owners. Uh, I'm I'm not giving up on it. Like I know the PFF uh, JT. I know you sent that PFF grade. PFF has rated him pretty shitty this year. Um, the, that was just 
it just was a sucky game. I'm pretty sure it's the first lost fumble of his career that he had on Sunday night. I just think the Chiefs O-line starting three rookies. Um, I think they've played two pretty good run defenses. Uh, it's not like Jacobs really had a productive rushing game against him either. I know he's playing a little bit hurt, but a lot of his points just came from two uh, red zone touchdowns. I'm not giving up on CEH uh, yet. I see. I saw some people trading him for like a contender first. I'm not selling at that price. Um, if I could buy at a contender's first price, I actually might. Uh, but I don't think that's the reality with some owners, even though I've seen a decent amount online are. Uh, what's that for, Jake? Take him. You, you would sell for a contender first? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Damn. I'm, I would buy for a contender first. Take him. The only reason the only reason you are still saying this is because he's on the Chiefs Chiefs offense. Well, the still only reason he was a first round pick. Yeah, and he everyone he was a so surprise. Days, first, he was a surprise first round pick. People were surprised he was the first I know, round pick. It, it, it was over the likes surprise of Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. But I, I still had him kind of like ranked around guys like like Acres coming out. I liked him more than Gibson coming out. I saw I saw a tweet this this weekend, and it goes. It said Ch is a scat back that doesn't catch any passes. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But I, I'm still. I know. I'm still, it's, I'm fun, still, it's, fun, it's funny because it's true, and like his best quality in college was his receiving ability, and he's done very little of I, it. I think. I think. <laughs> and, oh, are you gonna throw it to you? You're gonna throw it to Ch, or you're gonna throw it to Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill? I'm not. Time. I'm not saying it's a knock on him, but people are still rating him this high because he's on the. On the Chiefs Patrick offense, Mahomes that's... doesn't need to check the ball down. Patrick Mahomes can just run backwards because he can throw it a mile. Like he doesn't need. I mean, you don't like pocket. like if he had a good enough rookie season. I think he had around 1,100 scrimmage yards for me to know he can play. Um, I just think the Chiefs' O line uh, with three rookies and playing two uh, pretty good front sevens, like. I'm I'm not I'm not selling yet at that contender price. I see I know you guys are. I'm not selling for a contender not. first. I would buy it at a contender first. Um, I do. I, oh, thanks on my side. Let's go. When when I did the evaluating the the 2020 rookie class uh, during this offseason, I, know you did I, I said so. he he was a sell easy for me. Um, he still is at this point. Like if I go to keep trade cut and I look up his rankings, I'm interested to see how what you think much more than a contender first for him too. I, people I think are it selling would be pretty. People Pretty are selling easy for to that. get more than that. Yeah, I think you can get more, but like if you told me that was the best offer I could possibly get, I'd probably take it. I don't think he's ever going to be what he was drafted to be, like what everyone thought when he was drafted. When people thought he was drafted, they're like, oh, he's in the Chiefs offense. He's going to do exactly what Kareem Hunt did. He's going to come in and be an amazing running back, this and that. Yeah, he's not like they're going to still use Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill in the passing game. And at the end of the day, there's not they're gonna they're not gonna run the ball that much. And when they do, they're likely gonna be blowing some team out, and they're gonna turn around and they're gonna go, "All right, Ch, get on the bench. We're gonna hand it to Daryl Henderson so or Daryl Daryl Williams, so you don't get hurt." It's it, it, players he's ranked around are Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson, Zeke Elliott, A. Rob, Rondo Moore, J.K. Dobbins, Aaron Rodgers, Cortland Sutton. There are very few. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. think I'd. I think I'd rather have all those guys over CEH at this point. I agree. I don't Damn. know, man. I kind of still like CEH a little bit. Same. I, I've I don't been out on him, him for a while. But I think it is I also like the value. percentage. I also like the percentage of RB touches he's having in that offense. It's pretty much he's been not his backfield. I, I think that the pan- – like, I'm not, not panicked. Getting... 
okay, if I owned him and I bought him early in the offseason, okay, I definitely am a little bit spooked, but I'm not going to sell. Like, I think I'm just going to hold for the upside. I still think yeah, that there's upside man. in that offense. I think for he's him. I think he's fine. Like I like I think that's like the highest compliment. <laughs> like he's fine. The issue is though that the R slash dynasty and Twitter and whatnot um, had hyped him up so much to the point of he was going above Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Tua and everyone else. Okay, well if that's a super, well, t- aside from Tua, if it's a super flex league, yeah, that's ridiculous. But. There's that, and then you you had Theo Riddick last year saying he should be the one one in in redraft leagues and whatnot. Like, it the hype on him got so crazy to the point Wait, of Theo now, Riddick. No, not Theo Riddick. God, Lewis, Lewis Riddick. Riddick. Lewis Riddick. Yeah, not Theo Riddick. Sorry, Theo <laughs> yeah, Riddick. I'm so back. confused. The running like, back what? from Detroit. <laughs> we, we're, we're we're close on that one. <laughs> not, not quite. Not quite. I mean, I got dynasty football in mind. We, we got close. I may um, reach out to Theo Riddick, formal running back we, in the NFL, for good formal comment. Would you rather have Theo Riddick or CH right now? I don't know. <laughs> but um, I did want to make a little side comment. <laughs> Um, we just talked about uh, C.H. and Marquez Callaway, and if we look back just three up ep- two episodes ago, Lewis's hot takes, we had Callaway breaks a thousand yards this season. Well, no, that C. was like, that was one of the hottest. And C. H. That was a middle one. C.H. <laughs> finishes top seven in their position. Listen, not looking too hot already. <laughs> Listen, the top the top ten running backs right now is a shit show. RB seven Dale Henderson. Uh, I'm pretty sure RB nine is Tony Pollard. Uh, I should have just made the Dale Henderson one my prediction instead. I'd be coming in here gloating. I still have faith in CEH. I still believe right. in him. I think they play two tough to run defenses. Bounce back. I'm buying at a contender. Yeah, remember? Yeah, you're right, JT. Him and Dynasty Nerds were like one upping each other for how many receiving yards Marquez Galloway could get. There, there were people yeah. in the Dynasty subreddit who were trading Devontae Smith for him straight. And I'm not a big Devontae Smith guy. And I still would rather have Devontae Smith. Yes. That's what? insane. Yes, I, I, I wish I could pull I refuse up for you guys. to believe that those people exist. Yeah, like I maybe it's just a right Absolutely. Troll. It could be a right troll. But it has to be. No one in their right mind, if after they drafted Devontae Smith, is trading him for Marquez Callaway. People, people were trading two seconds and late first for Marquez Callaway. Do you know Devontae how many Smith was drafted Marquez around Callaway? late first. Do you know how many yards Marquez Callaway has after two games? 28. 39. 22 Nine. yards. 22 Dang. yards. This man has three receptions for 22 yards. Yeah, so so far if you gave up two seconds for him, your seconds are both worth about 11 yards each. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's better than Trey Sermon, who I like. Yeah, Trey true. Sermon's worth eight yards. Yeah. <laughs> and a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> right. Enough clowning on those guys. Let's just move on to someone I also want to clown though, to be fair. Uh Mike Davis. I've always been out on Mike Davis, but especially this year where he was I going, think he's about to lose his starting job. He might well he he got so high in the ADP where I was like, all right, what are we doing? Like I get that he was solid on the Carolina offense, but this is a completely different Atlanta offense where even Todd Gurley's ghost um who I still like better than Mike Davis was like struggling to do anything. Like he just needed touchdowns to be relevant. And at this point, that's where we are with Mike Davis too. Like he needs touchdowns to be any kind of relevant and he's just not going to get those touchdowns. And now, like Luna said, he might lose a starting job. 
I don't know what happened with Cordell Patterson from last year because last year the Bears just had him running like sweeps the whole time. Like they had no inside game. They really didn't throw him the whole the ball a whole lot. Now all of a sudden he's like CMC light on the Falcons, just running inside, running outside, yeah. catching passes. I, I don't know what changed with Cordell Patterson. Obviously this could be a fluke in just a random Tampa Bay defense that didn't really prepare for Cordell Patterson because honestly – other than his receiving uh, his return game, like who would, but I don't know. I've been out on Mike Davis. I was out on Mike Davis when they signed Wayne Gallman and Quadre Olson. (laughs) I was like, these guys might give him a shot. I Um, feel like Cordero Patterson has a yearly flash in the pan. He does. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm not too worried about it, to be honest, if I'm a Mike Davis owner, not that I think Mike Davis is in a, you know, extremely valued, valuable dynasty asset by many means the 28 year old running back that, his only good season was as a backup to McCaffrey, who got hurt. So I'm not like saying he's a, you know, valuable asset here, but he'll, he'll have his games coming up. So Mike Davis is the classic trap that I think a lot of people fall into in the startup draft in dynasty leagues, and that it's one of the reasons why I would much rather take basically any halfway decent receiver over a Mike Davis is because. Like JT said, you were investing in an old running back, a guy that's been a backup for a large part of his career. Okay, even if he's like halfway decent his, his this year, right? He's like a top 24 fantasy back. I feel like you have a pretty decent shot at drafting a top 30 receiver at, around the spot that he's taken. Like we, we did a dynasty draft not too long ago. I'm not exactly sure where Mike Davis went, but I'm – assuming it was around like round 10, 9, 8, somewhere around there, probably more on the 10 to like 11 side. But there are plenty of receivers that you could have taken in, in that part of the draft, especially yeah. really high upside young receivers that could, I mean, not only outproduce Mike Davis this year, but obviously for, for a long time. So I just think that going going back, because we, I mean, we talk about startup drafts a lot. Avoid these dudes. These are the running back bait players that you can take at the end of the draft. Unless you're getting a running back at a really good value, I would much rather take like any other position than these Mike Davises or the Gus Edwards when they have their value inflated. And I think a large part of this due to like redraft and being like, oh, well, I need a third running back here in round eight, round nine. Like there's no running backs left. Let me take one instead of taking – I feel like a Debo Samuel, you kind of got around him, or, or maybe probably not him, but Marquis Hollywood Brown, you could have easily had. You probably could have had Marquis Hollywood Brown two rounds later than Mike Davis. Probably. So that's the bait. Don't take the bait in those drafts. And it happens every year with a new dude. You have these guys that get hyped that are backup running backs and you get boned. I completely agree. Nice. All right. Um, oh. Speaking of bait, Bader great. Yeah, speaking of bait, we got Bader great. I'll kick us off. Um, Jake's team, the uh, New York Giants, Sterling Shepard. Now, Sterling Shepard, someone that I think as a podcast as a whole, we've kind of been on for a while. Like we've been saying that he's it's only been ever flying been a health below thing. the radar. It's only yeah. ever been a health thing with him. I, I got a couple things. So Sterling Shepard, one, I think he's the new Marvin Jones. Even though Marvin Jones is Marvin Jones, I think Sterling Shepard is also Marvin Jones, where it's just I like, like that criminally low-rated guy who just only produces. Now, 
Lunis, you're right. It is a health thing, right? But if you look at when when Sterling Shepard's been healthy, the the two times he finished um, 16 game seasons, he's been a wide receiver three both times. Now he's currently a wide receiver one, which I don't necessarily expect to continue. But I do think he is that guy on the Giants offense. I know they brought in Kenny Galladay for a massive contract. Not massive contract, but he was like the highest paid wide receiver this year, which even then wasn't crazy. But they spent a decent amount of money on Kenny Galladay. I still think Sterling Shepard's the guy. Uh, We talked about Darius Slayton when he started blowing up. Even then, I think Sterling Shepard was the guy. And we're at the point where even right now on keep trade cut, Sterling Shepard – after his two games, after his crazy success and all the stuff where he's shot up, he's still considered at wide receiver 48. I, I just, if he has a full season, like, I just don't see how he finishes outside the top 30 wide receivers. Now you can argue, okay, but, you know, there are people younger than him. There are people that can can do better than him. Sterling Shepard's still young. Like, he's not an old player. He's 28 years old. Uh, Marvin Jones is 31. We see Marvin Jones still producing. I know I keep pointing to him, but you could get two, three years of solid production for Sterling Shepard at a price that's like nothing still at this point. Um, well, I think you'd they... have to pay like a second right now to get him, but I agree with you in that if we have a like if we cools off a little bit, which we're all expecting a little bit of regression just because Daniel Jones isn't going to get to play the Washington football team every week. Um, I think they'll get Galladay a little bit more involved as the season goes on. But, like, I mean, Sterling Shepard, you can make an argument, is, like, the most versatile receiver in that offense, which is weird to say because they do have Kenny Galladay. But just, like, you can put the ball in his hands. He's halfway decent vertically down the field. He's really good underneath. Like, he really is a a great receiver that's going to be cheap. So, like, I would keep an eye on him for him to, like, slow down a little bit toss out a third round pick and see if I could snag him, but I'm uh, not sure you'll be able to do that. Look, if if the going rate for second round picks, people are giving up second round picks for Marquez Callaway and Devin Singletary and Devontae Parker. I'm giving out a second round pick for Sterling Shepard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know who's scooping up all the seconds, I'm scooping them all up. I'll take all Look, the if seconds. I'm a contending team and I need that kind of just consistent flex play, like I truly think that's Sterling Shepard this year. I think you're going to be hard. There, there are some other players. There are some other sneaky wide receivers that we might be getting into. Uh, maybe not today, but there are other sneaky wide receivers that I think are also worth that kind of second place. But, like, if it's a late 2022 second, I almost, like, I don't value that highly at all. And if I think that's helping me win a championship, it's gone. It's off my roster. Right. No, dude. Freaking my second round pick might outscore Mike West Callaway right now. Oh, true. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about trading my second for Callaway. I'm talking about trading my second for Sterling Shepard. Just the pick, not even the play. Just yeah, the pick might have Like, that's the thing, though, is that I think you got to be a little bit more calculated than just being like, dude, fuck it, I'm contending second-round picks, baby. Give me a Callaway. Give me a I, Give I just think – I think second I, – I almost think second-round picks are, are overvalued at this point. They're like late second-round picks – you don't really see a whole lot coming out of the late second round to the point of where I think they're they're a similar toss-up to a third-round pick where I think third-round picks are getting undervalued and second-round picks are overvalued. I do That's, agree about third-round picks being undervalued. Second-round picks, it being early or late, changes my opinion on it drastically. Like, cause, 
Sure. Those early seconds, you can still get first round talent, or what people consider like early seconds this year. You got guys like, um, like Bateman, um, like yeah. Uh, no, I like the early seconds, but if yeah. I know I'm a playoff team, like if I'm looking around the league and I'm like something colossal would have to happen in this team where I'm not a playoff team, like I don't really have an issue trading away my my second round pick. There are very few people after two hundred six in in most. If I'm yeah, if like, if I'm a playoff team and it's my own second, I, I can. I'm okay with parting with the who, early who, second. I love who from this round. Who who from now we're getting on a little side. I'll go the past Frank, three but... drafts. I'll give you three, and I drafted well. all of them. Diami Brown drafted at two twelve in a league. We were all in that league. It was our okay. open league. Yeah, we like that. Two years Brown, ago, sure. Chase Claypool. Three years yeah, ago, well, Deontay I'm... Johnson. Thanks. You. I'll even go as far as. as I mean, just through the first two games, I think Kenny Gainwell's look great. Are you, are you kidding I mean, me? You would rather have Kenny Gainwell than Sterling Shepard? The upside. That, that, that's what you're saying. You'd rather have Kenny Gainwell than Sterling Shepard. You think Kenny oh. Gainwell's looked great through his first three games? We have Sterling Shepard as a wide receiver one through his first couple games. I mean, I you're saying you give up a – You're saying you – ligament is out for half the season. You're saying you trade so a Kenny Gainwell. So Kenny Gainwell. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I like them both. I think they're, they're both good – players for their value like i i agree with you i'd rather give up a second for sterling shepherd than a lot of these other players because like you said sterling shepherd's a player that you can buy and you can hold for the next two or three years and you can just hold him into the sunset to be honest and he's going to outperform his adp he's going to outperform his value he's like cole beasley cole beasley's a dude you can't get shit for him but he's going to outperform his adp and he's going to outperform his value and those players are nice to have on your team yes Okay, yeah, exactly. All right, our next guy is Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, beta great. I don't even know anymore. I, I, I don't <laughs> even know. I don't even know anymore. Like he's looked I like fantastic. Him. He's looked really good, but like it's still Bates. Zeke's backfield. It's I think I'm gonna lean bait here. I think people are gonna get caught up on these these first two games. Uh, I know Zeke's aging, and people are very worried about Zeke, but he's. Zeke's going to end up with over a thousand yards, probably close to seven, eight touchdowns, and he's going to end up finishing in that RB ten range. And people are going to go, "Oh, Zeke had a quietly good year." Like it's just it's bait. Because Tony Pollard's going to finish at best what at best a you know running back twenty five. Like where well, is coming finish? from the guy that's in love with another backup running back? Get out of here. Oh, he's in love with two backup running backs. Apparently, Kenny Gainwell. Geez. Yeah. Okay. Here's the here's the problem that I have with Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, good player, right? But we've now mix and paradoxed him because yeah. the only way you're gonna I'm sell him is if is if you're getting like actual running back price. I'm not selling him for like a late second. There's what's the point of me doing that? Like, okay, if he cools off massively, but, like, why? I'd rather just bet on the upside. But then all of a sudden, if you're giving up, like, actual running back price, okay, yeah, I, I, I'm going to sell Tony Pollard. But name me someone who's going to give up an actual running back price for Tony Pollard. I just don't see it happening. No. Big Unless maybe cares. if they own Zeke and they just really want Pollard. Yeah, that's but you're not, you're, not paying, you're not paying that for a handcuff. You're paying that because you think that – Tony Pollard's going to be the future back Playable. of the Dallas Cowboys. And I am not paying future back of the Dallas Cowboys price for Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, you could be a good, a good flex play. Maybe he maybe even an RB2. But I'm not paying 
like because then then all of a sudden we're who who's above RB twenty two? Like I, those I running backs, I'd rather have. I have a question real quick, just so I can kind of check the temperature on them. JT, do you mind doing me a quick favor? Yeah, what do you need? Uh, can, you, can you check where Tony Pollard is on keep trade cut? Who's he yep. around? What draft pick? Too high. I want I want to see how he's getting ranked right now. Because <laughs> before I get my take, like, because Bader, uh, I want to know what he's being considered. Yeah, well, all right. You guys are going to know my feelings about this when I list the players he's ranked around. <laughs> he's ranked around what would have been 2021's pick 202, so an early second. So an early um, second. Rashad Bateman, DJ Chark, and Terrace Marshall. You okay, taking Rondell Moore over him easy. Well, I think Rondell Moore is probably like a late first now. Um, yeah, yeah but uh, if I if I could get if I could get two hundred one, and I know it's two hundred one, or like one twelve, I'm taking it easy. Two hundred two. If, I, same if I if I know that the worst person in my league is paying for Tony Pollard, like see see Tony Pollard. Um, it's it's up with it because what I do think it's kind of interesting is uh we talking about possibly Cedric Wilson as a waiver pickup this year. It looks like they kind of replaced Scallop's receiving work with Tony Pollard. Uh, they got him more involved in the receiving game last game. So Tony Pollard has these kind of games where like you watch it and you're like, is he? He's definitely more explosive than Zeke, but is he like the better better runner? Obviously Zeke's a significantly better pass protector, which is huge for that Dallas offense and Dak Prescott, uh, and that's why. Deservedly, he's going to stay on the field a lot. I I need so even last year I loved Tony Pollard. He's been someone I liked two hundred two price. Like I liked him at like kind of the later second price at two hundred two. I just need to see more of it. It's been it's been two games. I need right, to see but that's more. the thing. If you wait and see more of it, I know if you wait and see and more, and your you're thoughts get out. confirmed. You're going to miss that. If price, you're going to miss that, now going to be worth I'm, more. I'm so here. glad missing out on Tony Pollard. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, I am as well. I'm not saying I'm going to. Here's, here's what I'll say. It, but... Here's what if I own Zeke Elliott, I would pay an early second. If I own Zeke Elliott, that's a lot. That changes it for me. I really. For me, he's more valuable if I own Zeke. Why? It's just the, the, uh, the, the question then. you're asking me is if I'm willing to buy high on Tony Pollard, and I'm not willing to buy high on Tony Pollard. I, I Dude, I wasn't willing to buy low on Tony Pollard. I just happened to have him. I'm the Zeke owner. Like, <laughs> I'm not all of a sudden being like after one good game, okay, Tony Pollard's the best thing since last spread. Yeah, he's a dynamic player. Yeah, he's pretty good. I I just really don't believe in him being the – the actual running back or carving out a consistent enough role down the line this year. Okay. He's fine. If you redraft leagues, go pick him up. He can be a nice flyer. I'm just not willing to pay his price in a dynasty league. I'm not willing to risk it. I agree with Frank. All right. Um, quarterback Detroit lions, Jared Goff, bait or great. Yeah. Is Jared Goff a good, like a decent QB two now? I'm not, I think great's a strong word, but I think for his price, which is probably, Whoever bought him this offseason. Not that high um, for in terms of quarterbacks in a super flex league. I think he's a good buy. Um, I, I said I, I said it as uh, in the offseason as one of my – it was my scorching take. I said Jared Goff will finish as a QB1 this season. Um, right now, we, I think he's QB8 overall, but a lot of that is due to week one against San Francisco where he passed the ball 57 times for over 325 yards and three touchdowns and – all that, but you know, last night on Monday Night Football, he looked, eh, he looked okay. Um, so ended he looked up better in the first half when it wasn't raining. Yeah, when it was raining, yeah. it kind of slowed the passing down. 
you know, but yeah, I think he couldn't hold on to the football. Yeah, it was the rain. He's a California a kid. He's a California kid. He's, he's not used to that Green Bay Can't weather. Can't on the football. Rough night for the Goffster. He, yeah, he has he has certain plays where you're like, oh, that was pretty electric. Like, you know, his his throw into the back of the end zone, Quintez Cephas, where he just like almost snagged it, but didn't. And it's like, oh, like that's that's really good. Like that's encouraging. And then he has some like, what are you doing? Plays like, what is that, Chad Goff? <laughs> where like he's scrambling and like he's got easy checkdowns and he just forces it into triple coverage and gets picked off. Like it. The, last Cold night's Isaac. game. Last night's game was a, a prime example of why Jared Goff was the number one overall pick, where he showed a lot of flashes. But then you go, all right, that's why the Rams traded him. Yeah. <laughs> like that was that was yeah. that coaching staff did him many favors that game, though. Oh no, I, no, I agree. But you know, I think it showed both sides of Jared Goff. But in terms of you know what his price is right now and what he well, what's his price? What's his price? Probably like an early second. Probably not much more than that. See, the, the only problem I, think I have with Jared right. Goff is that I agree. In the offseason, if you could pick him up for a mid-second, I think that's a pretty decent deal. Like, a, for me, if Rondell Moore and then Elijah Moore go off the board, then, yeah, that mid-second, like 205, 206, probably in a lot of drafts, I, I'm willing to trade that for Jared Goff, maybe even a 204 in some scenarios. But I think the, the entire time the, the Goff owners have wanted more and are not willing right. to sell for that. I think that's sure. the only problem. Do we think Goff can be like kind of a long-term guy there? I feel like that's yeah, kind of the ultimate question with him. Yeah, if they stop asking him to out-duel Aaron Rodgers, maybe they'll win some football games. Yeah, too many plays in the NFC one. North, so. Well, the thing is, you stop asking him to throw every freaking down. Every time it's a pressure situation, a third and one. Oh, why don't you throw a comeback? Oh, it's it's fourth and one. Like, are you never going to run the ball? Like, too high. I agree. Players. It doesn't matter what the situation is. They're just asking Jared Goff, hey, go in here on the road and beat beat Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, it's not going to happen. If, if they're a top five pick this year, I think they're just going to have a very hard time skipping over quarterback. He, he'll probably be know. Jimmy G. I could see Dan Campbell being the type to take the better overall talent, even if it's a position outside of quarterback. Yeah, same. They do. They do need everything, but like at the end of the day, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a team. I don't know. I, just, I, I, I actually think they just need to draft good players. If that good, player I, also, I, I think I think they just take the best talent, whoever the I best think, player. Available. I think they should take the best talent because the quarterbacks in twenty twenty three much better. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Like, give golf a second year, just draft the best talent, and then I think golf deserves two years. I mean, you come twenty twenty three, you get. Ua Ungalele, I can't even say that. I'm done. Uh, I haven't really loved him. Uh, yeah, DJ yeah. Ugalele. Well, let's go. Let's, yeah. let's finish yeah. off these Bader greats. Okay. We're starting to run a lot okay. of time here. Okay. So um, this is who I want to talk about: Hollywood Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown, and you. I'm. I liked. I drafted him in our dynasty league um, in an original year, but my thing with Hollywood Brown is like he's just such a polarizing player, like. He's been on such a hot, like, sh- streak recently that's kind of hard to deny where he's caught um, six touchdowns at the end of, like, the last six games last year. Yep. He's caught two touchdowns to start this year. It's a really hot streak, but at the end of the day, I just I don't think we're going to see that kind of, like, target share and, and what's going on with Marquise Brown. He had 10 targets right, against the Chiefs. I don't think he's had 10 targets 
He's had 10 targets one other time, twice actually, two other times in his career. I just don't think it's a norm. I don't think he's really – I think Lamar has improved as a passer or more so people recognize that Lamar can pass. Including Their chemistry is better. The chemistry is better, sure. But like I was saying earlier with Rashad Bateman, you guys know how I feel about Rashad Bateman. I had him as 106 in the Superflex drafts. Like – or no, 109, sorry. I have him as 109 in Superflex. Did I have him at 106? I might have him at 106 in Superflex, yeah. Yeah, and Terrace Marshall at 109. Um, I really like Bateman. I think Bateman is going to be the number one wide receiver for the Ravens. And I think on a team where Frank showed you they're not a high-passing offense, I think Bateman is going to be that one go-to guy on this team. Maybe it won't happen right away. He's coming back from injury. It might take him a little while to ramp up. So Hollywood could be good for these, you know, the next month, month plus. But if we're talking dynasty and we're talking what the price could get to for Hollywood Brown, I'm I'm out. I'm selling. Bate. I, I like Hollywood. I think I'm thinking he's yeah. great. Uh, I think that, like you guys said, the chemistry is the most important thing. Him and Lamar are on the same page. And it's not like he's not efficient with the targets that he gets. They're, aside from that one overthrow, it's that that connection has been absolutely. And now, I was about to say he should have even had a better game because that Lamar overthrow in the beginning of the game that should have been another like 55, 60 yard touchdown. Yeah, my thing with the should have though is like we get kind of into a gray area of like, you know, Brian Edwards should have two. I mean, okay, but even, even if you throw that away, he still had like 100 it, yards. It looks like he's gotten a little bit bigger. I think he's finally acclimated at the end of last year and now continuing into this year into the NFL game. I think we finally see him uh, get comfortable in the NFL game. And it is his third year. We, we the, see the historically one, the wide receiver third year breakout. The one sneaky plus I'll add, and this goes for both him and Debo Samuel, is they both had Liz Frank injuries two years ago. And mm. there's been there's been stuff that says it takes like a full year to kind of recover from this. That's actually very so, interesting. Could we be seeing them at like their actual like potential now? Maybe, but I it's just still too tough for me to put him as high as he's going. If we look on keep trade cut, I'm gonna pull him up real quick. If that is the case. That's gonna be tough with ETM. We won't be able to really know how good he is until his third year. Yeah, and at that point, running, uh, running back. The thing also... is, though, JT, is that I think that Bateman coming back might. It actually might help. It might help Hollywood Brown. Not not his upside. His upside will definitely be capped. But I think it'll help his consistency that he really didn't have until the second half of last year. The the issue, though, is, like, does Bateman coming back – this is what I was kind of alluding to earlier, right? Does Bateman coming back really help everyone? Like, is it going to help Mark Andrews? I I think there are different scenarios. Like, I mean, we've seen situations where a receiver succeeds better when he has another good one across from him. Um, I said the same thing – But a rookie coming off an injury is not a guy that the defenses are going to go, yeah, we have to watch out for that guy. Like, he's not a guy that the defenses are going to shift to – I'm saying – Immediately, he's gonna I mean, have to come in and show he's healthy one and show he can actually play in the NFL too. He's not I think that if Bateman is Bateman, like if Bateman is what I'm JT saying, if he's as he good is, as you guys are saying, becomes elite. This offense becomes literally the best offense in the NFL. And I'm not I'm denying that, but that's a that's a massive if. That is a massive. Well, if. Here's here's what I'm saying. I know JT brought up the Bateman argument. I'm saying if he's as good as you guys uh, are projecting him to be, and I like Bateman. Um, what is it? I think that can help him. I said the same thing with, um, even though they're both young and the one coming in was a rookie, I said Devontae Smith, I thought would help Rager. Personally, I think Rager's looked a little bit better this year than he did last year. Um, 
And so I could see the same thing happening with Hollywood. Obviously, like Frank said, limits his complete upside. But either Bateman's good and he helps draw those number one corners away from him, or B, if he's not that good, then Hollywood can kind of continue what he's doing right now. All right, quick, quick round the horn, and then we'll move on to our last two guys: Hollywood Brown or Elijah Moore. Elijah oh. Moore. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the upside of Elijah Moore. I'm gonna take Elijah Moore, but they're really All close right. to each other. Ho- Hollywood Brown, Brandon Cooks. Hollywood Brown. Hollywood. Brandon Cooks. Uh, Cooks. I don't know. I don't I'm taking know. Hollywood. Yeah. Well, this is currently where Hollywood's. Hollywood's See, that's the thing, just... though, is that I want to pick up Hollywood Brown for cheap because to me, Hollywood Brown could be one of those dudes. It's like 150 points a year, and I and he has a little bit of upside from there. I don't think he has that that alpha like stud uh, number one upside though. So, I think like, he could be a good wide receiver too. I, I like. I view Hollywood Brown as like. He could he scored be 150 a Sterling Shepard, you know, stuff like that. I just, I really don't see him being a wide receiver one. And I like Hollywood Brown. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, last two guys, Mike Williams, bait or great? Bait. Bait. I say bait. I like <laughs> him for bait? this year. I like him for this year. But it's just, I don't think Mike Williams is going to see the consistency that people are thinking he's going to have. I think it's still the same old Mike Williams. He's a good player. The four, the not the 49ers, the, the Chargers receivers are a little bit banged up right now, which is helping him out. But I, my, my I just thing, don't think it's gonna it's gonna keep going. My thing with Mike Williams is this. the reason I the reason I real quick and I'll let you go, Jake. The reason I say this year and I'm not as high long term. So for redraft, and if you're a contender trying to win right now, I actually do like Mike Williams as a buy, uh, depending on the price. Because his price is thing. so high right now after these first two weeks. Real, real quick, while no I'm saying this, JT, do you mind pulling up the where he's at for me? Thanks. But let me make my case real quick. I feel like before they were just kind of using him too much as only a deep threat. I think this year I kind of like more what they're doing in terms of using him more as a possession receiver. I don't think anyone's taking that number two spot. I think Herbert is an absolute superstar quarterback. I know fantasy-wise he hasn't been amazing this year, but Herbert's the fucking truth. He's, he's phenomenal. Um. And so with Michael Williams, I don't, the problem I say why I say this year, I don't think the Chargers are going to re-sign him to a big deal. Uh, he's in a contract year, and I don't know how I'm going to feel if he goes somewhere else, what situation. But I, for this season, and this is more, I guess, for redraft, where I really like him, uh, for Dynasty of your contender this year, I think he's going to have a really good season this year. Robert Woods, 201. I'm no feeling. shot. It's just, you could spend all of that. It's not even close. It's not even close. With what he's uh-huh. Like I can I agree take, that I Mike might take Williams, Williams is a over good Juju. player. I would like to have Mike Williams on my team right now, but I'm just not paying that for him. That's way too much. Yeah, I say bait. All right, uh, last guy, Cordero Patterson. Bait. Kind of to Easy bait. bait. I, Easy I also bait. think bait. it is a yearly thing. He's like he's literally the Sammy Watkins, but for like week two. <laughs> it's just every week year two Watkins. Yeah. I, I I'd rather him. I don't know. This, this oh, rest of, hold on. In, in Dynasty and rest of the season, would you guys rather own Mike Davis or Cordero Patterson? That, that's why I was just debating. I think I'd rather have Cordero Patterson. I think I'd Mike rather have Mike Davis. Mike Davis. Give me Cordero Patterson. But yeah, other than that, is, like, like, Cordero Patterson, is just, he's just, we've seen this before. He has one good game at running back, and then all of a sudden the next week they try to force it, and he's just not able to get those rushing lanes. Like, yes, he could be dynamic when he has space, but once teams realize that, oh, shit, Cordero Patterson's actually going to be playing. 
let's just keep our gap integrity because as long as we keep him somewhat bottled up and, and not in open space, he's not going to punish us through the tackles. He's just what I actually be- like is that they were getting him the ball. Into, I, I'm more of a fan of his what they did with him in the receiving game, uh, not even as much in the rushing game. I think they were getting him involved with short passes, uh, letting him make plays in space. Again, I'm not really high on him or Davis. I'm just picking between the two. At the He's price just... of at the price of Blake Jarwin, um, <laughs> Blake Jarwin, Dawson Knox, I mean, yeah, Salvin like, Ahmed, a, I like take, him more than I'll all take those guys. Cord- yeah, I'll take Cordell. What's Patterson. the closest draft pick to it? Is he like what a mid third, late third, probably less? Probably like uh, a fourth. Fourth. Yeah, yeah I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to do some little bit of digging I, I do, here. I do it like a mid. Uh, yeah, late, late third. Late third. But no one's gonna sell that. No one's gonna. People might sell at that because they probably I just, just picked him up Crud off waivers. Hasn't updated like enough yet because he he's definitely a super popular waiver claim if he's on waivers right now in your. League. I know, but it, I oh, wouldn't yeah. be surprised if a ton of owners are just like I think it's possible to get him for an early fourth. Like a ton of owners could just be like, okay, no, I just I'm, picked him up. Nah, he's a, he's a third. He's definitely a third. Like yeah, third. I would sell him for a third. I think I would sell him for a third. And if I really desperately need a running back, and he's is he listed as a running back right now? I'm he's sure. actually that's also another cool thing of yeah, fantasy. Uh, he is both receiver and uh, oh, running shit. back eligibility. Yeah. But no tight end though. Rats. No tight end. No. Yeah, he doesn't have the important. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. It's just I'll I'll sell Cordero Patterson. I think that is wrapping up on Cordero Patterson. Uh, third and twenty, season two, episode seven in the books. Um, if you're on YouTube, we're streaming live now on YouTube. I don't know if you can tell. Tuesday nights is normally when we go live with our pod. This is electric. Uh, this we'll go live after. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try and, you know, comment if you like this kind of we, – we did kind of shake up the format a little bit. I think people will like it more. I think the way that we just did it. Um, yeah. Let us you know, know if you appreciate, like, our Debbie talk and everything, if that's something you guys want to see more or less of. Hit us up on Twitter at 3RD underscore and 20. Underscore. No, it's, it's just 3RD and 2 Sure, yep. Yeah. And then Dynasty JT, Dynasty Jake, Dynasty Lunas on, but there's different Dynasty Jake. You'll The Dynasty Jake with less following is the Dynasty nah. Jake we're talking uh, about. Do I have 3rd and 20 <laughs> in their bio? There you go. Mine's at 3rd and 20 Jake. Oh, sure. There you go. There you um, go. All right, and then 3rd <laughs> and 20. You're not, you're not even close, JT. <laughs> My bad. Third and twenty website. Um, I'm gonna be dropping the Storm Sitem tonight, tomorrow morning. Probably tomorrow morning I'll go live. Um, Jake does his prospects of the week. Lewis is doing his, um, you know, kind of just what we talked about, trying out, trying down. Frank's dropping his player pops and more of like a just standard NFL stuff. Like um, Steed, who's on the normal podcast, uh, doing primetime picks. Just a lot of content. We've got our Frank did a lot of work. We have our dynasty rankings live. Dynasty rankings are live. Um, that includes traffic's yeah, in there. I think that's that's enough plugging. Uh, I don't know if people listen through all this plugging, but if you did, oh, thanks. Not.